Welcome to the 143rd episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Paul Goat Allen. Paul is a widely published book reviewer. He's read thousands of books and reviewed many of those for publications such as BarnesandNoble.com, the Chicago Tribune, Publishers Weekly, and many others. Stay tuned for my interview with book reviewer Paul Goat Allen. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Paul Goat Allen. Paul has a job that many voracious readers would love to have. Paul reads novels for a living, and he also writes about those novels. To date, he's published more than 6,000 book reviews. He writes about horror, science fiction, and fantasy novels for barnesandnoble.com. And he's also reviewed books for Publishers Weekly, the Chicago Tribune, and many other publications. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Sure. Well, for those listeners who aren't familiar with your work and your reviews, what, what led you to the to the career that you have now, reading numerous novels every year and and reviewing them? Well, it's funny. Um, I didn't set out to become a book reviewer. It just kind of evolved. Uh, I went to college to uh, study English literature and creative writing. I wanted to be a poet. Ridiculous as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> Oh, hold on. Yeah. Cancel that. And, uh, so sorry, Jeff. Not a problem. So yeah, I went to college to uh, study English literature and writing, and uh, I graduated thinking that I could just uh, start writing poetry and making money and I could, you know, make a living writing poetry. Uh, That never happened. (laughs) <laughs> I I self-published uh, two books of poetry. I was, I guess, what you would call a performance poet back in the 90s. And uh, I self-published two books. I sold quite a few copies, but I never made enough money to really do anything. So I eventually uh, landed a job managing a Walden bookstore. And I did that for eight years. Loved it. I got to basically hang out with people who loved reading books and sell books. And it was, a, it was just a dream job for me. Um, but then the, uh, how can I say this? The defecation hit the rotating oscillator when, uh, when Borders bought Walden books and they pretty much cleaned house of all the book people. And, uh, I ended up quitting that job. And, uh, to make a long story short, somebody that I knew from Walden books who worked in the home office, uh, got a job with Barnes and Nobles in Manhattan. And, uh, they called me and told me that there was a job opening for an editor. They were starting a science fiction fantasy newsletter. And, um, you know, they thought since I knew quite a bit about that subject, I should, uh, interview for it. And I did never thinking I would get the job. And, uh, I got the job unbelievably. And, uh, that's how it all started. That's great. That's great. And what was that newsletter? It was called explorations. Uh, People probably don't remember it, but it started back in 97, and it was a free newsletter that came out every two months, and you could pick it up at any Barnes & Noble or B. Dalton's in the country, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I That's kind of where I you know, learned how to interview authors and read a ton of books in a very short period of time. Um, back in that day, I had just married my wife, and uh, we didn't have any kids yet, so 
that's pretty much all I did all day. There was one stretch of probably three or four years where I was averaging one book a day, which thinking back at it now with two small kids is just insane. <laughs> but I, I pumped out the book reviews back then. And and so now you're uh, now you're doing um, well. The the print newsletter went away, but now you're you're uh, continuing to write for BarnesandNoble.com, and you have a regular blog there, correct? Right. It was kind of a like an evolution. The print version, I guess, uh, you know, just cost too much money to to uh, produce, so they they ended that. They put it online. It was a monthly newsletter for. I think two or three years and then it became a blog and now the explorations blog has kind of uh, merged into the Barnes and Noble book blog. It's kind of like a, a huge massive blog that just encompasses everything. Right. Right. Um, and at this point, I'm just curious um, in terms of like the, the way that you work, if you can talk about that, do, do you, do you get assigned books or is it kind of wide open at this point, given your years of experience and you can kind of choose the books that you want to read and review? Um, well, I guess it depends on the company you're talking about with Barnes and Noble. I pretty much uh, do what I want to do. There's there's authors or books that um, my bosses may be like, hey, do you want to interview Brandon Sanderson or do you want to read this book? And, you know, usually I do because they're they're good books. But generally it's um, it's pretty much left up to me. Sure. Uh, for other companies that I work for, like, uh, you know, Kirkus or Publishers Weekly or Blue Ink, they just send me the books and I review them and I have right. really no say. Right, right. Well, well, what's your what's your own history as a reader? Can you can you remember the first book that you ever re- read? And as a as a kid and a teen, what books and writers were you reading at that point? Well, um, I guess you could go all the way back to when I first started reading. Um, I was a super shy kid. I stuttered. Um, you know, my family life it it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And uh, for me reading was kind of like that escapism that kind of let me get away from reality and I could just lose myself in a book. And for some reason, um, even when I was younger, I just loved fantasy. I loved anything that had to do with, you know, the imagination and, uh, just writers just going crazy. And I started with, you know, just regular, you know, kids fantasy stuff. And I, I just, I was a voracious reader. I read all the time. Um, I actually remember I was in third grade and I was trying to read Lord of the Rings and I think I understood most of it, but it was a pretty, you know, pretty big deal to be reading Lord of the Rings in third grade. That's great. And, and as a teen, what, what were kind of the books and authors that were kind of your touchstones or. Well, uh, one series that really resonated with me was Michael Moorcock's Elric. I don't know if you've read that, but just I have, I have. classic adventure fantasy. Uh, loved it. The uh, albino sorcerer with a soul sucking sword. I, as I, when I was like in sixth or seventh grade, I thought, man, I would love to have a sword that could actually suck the souls out of people. Like, <laughs> you know, kids that bullied me in school, I would come home and start reading those books. And I would just be like, man, if I could find a sword like that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that got me through some hard times. Elric, um, you know, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, he was a big one. Asimov, 
Um, I, I, I got into Dune. I love that series. Pretty much anything and everything I could get my hands on. And we're talking back in the 70s when, you know, um, there was really no internet or cable TV or anything. So, you know, I would just find whatever books I could and just read whatever I could. Sure, sure. And I'm just curious, you just mentioned Dune. Um, what what do you think of, of the work that Kevin J. Anderson has done with Brian Herbert's son? You know, I I don't like some of the stuff. Um, some of the trilogies I thought were really good. Um, I guess as a whole, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, there's there's some novels that I've read and eh, I can take it or leave it. But then um, I, I forget which trilogy it was, but there was one trilogy that I just thought was awesome. Cool. I have it upstairs on the bookshelf, but it's yeah. probably no big deal. <laughs> um, so I'm curious at this point, how many books do you read in a year? Um, well, now it's probably substantially less than it was five or 10 years ago. Um, I don't know. I, I probably average still three or four books a week. So, you know, you can figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and given that, um, do you, do you have any kind of rules for yourself? I mean, obviously, as you mentioned before, if you get assigned something from Kirkus or PW, et cetera, you, you, you read that book and then review it. But, um, in terms of the work that you're doing with Barnes and Nobles, um, and others, do you, do you have any rules at this point? If you read the first 20 or 30 pages and you're not digging it, do you just toss it and go to the next book in your pile? Um, well with Barnes and Noble, um, basically my job for them is to, uh, promote noteworthy reads. So if I read a book that, um, you know, I don't think is particularly good. Um, I, I obviously don't finish it and I don't write about it. Um, but if it's with Publishers Weekly or Kirkus, you know, those books you have to finish and you have to write, you know, a review about them, good or bad. Got it. So, yeah, it's it's painful sometimes. Sure, sure. Um, and, and I'm curious, uh, I, I know that you've done some uh, reviews of self-published novels. H- how do you decide on which uh, self-published novels um, that you're going to take a look at since there's so many at this point? Well, actually, you know what, that is a, that's a pretty, uh, big topic right now. Um, I've always been a supporter of self-published authors. Even when I was managing bookstores, I tried to go out of my way to, um, you know, buy these books and get them on the shelves. Although, you know, back then authors had to jump through hoops to get their books on the shelves. Sure. Um, and with with Blue Ink, I've been working with them for um, probably three or four years now, and I've I've done a ton of self published reviews for them. Um, it's it's a tough call, you know, because I would say a sizable percentage of the self published books I read are uh, how can I put this? Um, they're they're not very good, and um, you know I think people have this stigma about self published books. Ah, you know, it's just it's all crap. It's just stuff that publishers won't publish. And, you know, to some extent they are right. But then I would say the last probably five years, I've been reading some awesome self-published stuff that just isn't being published because the publishing, the publishing industry right now is so tight. Right. They're just not, you know, there's just no room for maybe, you know, some fringy or niche stuff. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some awesome stuff out there. And I, I really just hope that, you know, readers would kind of 
give some of these books uh, a chance because I think they will be very, very surprised with, with what they read. Got it. So I know that you're a huge fan of apocalyptic fiction. What 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 books um, in terms of apocalyptic fiction fiction? You know what what are some of the classics in your opinion and, and that you've read? And then you know lately, what what have you read in like the last several years um, in that particular sub subgenre that you liked? Well, um, first of all, I think I have always liked apocalyptic fiction because. Um, as a kid growing up in the seventies, that was like the golden age of disaster movies, you know, like airplane and earth. Oh, yeah. and I remember those. Well, man, I just, <laughs> you know, that's what I grew up watching and I just love those movies. Um, I would say in the last few years, um, easily my favorite, uh, post apocalyptic series is by Sophie Littlefield. Um, it's the Aftertime trilogy. Uh, it's, it's zombie fiction, but really it's apocalyptic fiction and it's just, it's, it's amazing. And it's, um, I think groundbreaking in a lot of ways. And I feel really bad because I think a lot of readers have, uh, have not read it because it was published by, uh, Harlequin. And I think they are just, you know, thinking it's something that it's not, but fantastic, fantastic trilogy. Great. And, and I, I actually interviewed Sophie. So if someone wants to take a look at that, they can. Um, I, I also know that you're a huge urban fantasy fan. But but in an interview that I read with you about a year ago, you said you were unhappy with the genre at that point. You felt a lot of the books were, were uh, derivative. In, in the past year, have you found any new urban fantasy writers or novels that you loved? Um, well, if you look at that subgenre as a whole, I think, you know, Going back to 2000 and up to 2010, I think maybe 2007, 2008, that was a high point. There was just a ton of new stuff coming out. It was really good. It was there was a lot of different stuff, a lot of uh, you know innovative stuff. And the last few years have been kind of disappointing. So yeah, there's I I can't really say oh there's this great new series because. There really isn't. Got it. Got it. And and two, you know, coupled with that, a lot of really, really big series are ending or have just recently ended. So, um, you know, I think now is the time where if there's any authors out there, you know, they can fill a void with, uh, you know, some some really good new series if if possible. I mean, Charlene Harris, her series just ended. Kim Harrison's series is going to end next year. Jay Wells, her Sabina Kane series just ended. I mean, there's some huge series that are done now. And, you know, there's a void in urban fantasy. And I'm just kind of waiting to see if somebody steps up and fills it. Good, good. Uh, well, I, in terms of the genres beyond urban fantasy that you read, I know this is kind of a broad question. So we're talking science fiction, fantasy, and horror. What what writers and authors in the past year or two have fired you up and really excited you and that you would recommend? Jeez, man, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of authors that I'm excited about. Um, I guess you know this is probably not the answer that you're looking for, but as far as fantasy goes, uh, Patrick Rothfuss. I mean, I'm I'm sure you've you've read his stuff. His his books to me are just uh, just you know extraordinary. They're just by far the best stuff out there. 
And I can't wait for his next book to come out. So as far as fantasy goes, it's him. Um, horror. I don't know if you've ever read Laird Barron. Yes, uh, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, he, again, he's just one of those writers that I, I, I started reading his short stories and he just blew me away. Like every single thing he writes is just, it, it has that timeless feel to it. Like it, it almost seems like you're reading a, a classic book in the making. So he's somebody that I'm really excited about. I think, you know, in the years to come, he's really going to hopefully put horror back on the map and get more mainstream readers reading horror again. So we'll see. Great. Any others that come to mind? Man, there's, there's so many. I, I probably have to go and look at my stacks of books here. That that's fine. That's fine. Um, I'm I'm curious in terms of like genre trends. Do you do you have any thoughts or, or predictions? Um, do you, for example, do you think steampunk will continue to grow? Um, are there any other subgenres or topics that that you think are are going to get bigger? Well, um, I I predicted steampunk would the steampunk bubble would burst a few years ago, and I was completely wrong about that. Um, this year, there's been some really good steampunk releases, you know, um, not kind of derivative stuff either. So I, I think, you know, that still has legs. Um, one thing I'm really shocked and kind of psyched about is zombie fiction. When that first started getting big years ago, I, I never could have predicted that it would still be this popular years later, but I'm still reading stuff that is kind of, you know, exploring the edges and it's, it's still, you know, being innovative. So, I'm really excited about that. I actually just read, uh, I think last fall, a collection of zombie erotica. And uh, that was amazing. Uh. It was disgusting, but it was amazing. Um, and, and I know that you, I know that you have read a lot of, um, um, erotica or, or kind of urban, um, urban fantasy that kind of straddles the line, um, between like urban fantasy, I guess you would call it romances. Um, any, any authors there that you would point to? Well, yeah, I, I, I read a lot of paranormal romance, yeah, which paranormal sounds romance. crazy because I'm, if you actually see me, you would laugh. Um, <laughs> but there's one series, uh, Jennifer Ashley, she writes uh, Shifters Unbound. That series is just unbelievably good. It's, and again, it's kind of like the Sophie Littif- Littlefield series. I think um, mainstream readers are going to see the covers and it's, you know, got this, you know, these dudes with rippling packs and, you know, they're going to say, ah, it's just paranormal fantasy. But it's so much more than that. Like she has created this entire new uh, mythology uh, revolving around shapeshifters and the history that she's created is it's, it's just, it's so impressive to me. And if it were marketed differently, I think, you know, science fiction and fantasy readers would be loving this series, but it's marketed as paranormal romance. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of getting shafted like that, but just an amazing, amazing series. It's, it's easily one of the most uh, erotic series I've read. Like she writes sex scenes so well, but the story behind that is so strong and the world that she's created, it's just, it is an awesome series. So I cannot speak highly enough of that series. That's great. That's great. Well, well, what's the best way that listeners can follow your reviews and writing online? 
I guess just uh, either follow me, you know, through my Facebook or Twitter account, or just you know check out the Barnes and Noble book blog, which is updated, you know, daily. Great. Well, that's all. Say that again. I'm pretty easy to find. Just okay. you know, Google Paul Go to Allen and you'll find me. <laughs> Great. Well, that's all the questions that I had. Did you have anything else that you wanted to discuss? Well, you know, you uh, talked about erotic fiction, and I think, you know, that's another kind of a hot topic now because there's there's so much bad stuff out there. And again, you know, it's kind of like uh, what, we're, what we were talking about before with self-published works. You know, it. I feel bad because you know, this whole 50 shades of gray thing, you know, people are kind of thinking about erotic fiction and they're, they're judging it, but there's so much good stuff out there. I just would hope that people would, you know, have, you know, the, uh, the patience to, you know, like look past all the bad stuff and find some of the good stuff. Cause there is some really, really good stuff out there. Great. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Paul Goat Allen, book reviewer for barnesandnoble.com and many other publications. Paul, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.